my name's Christine. Um, some fun facts about me that Caitlin already stated is I do have a dog. Well, one of y'all stated that I have a dog. Um, she's pretty cool. Um, another fun fact, I feel like I mentioned this in a lot of different conversations, um, is that I lived in Raleigh, North Carolina last year, um, and I love it a lot. It's a great city. Um, I feel like that comes up in a lot of conversations. But if you don't know, I lived in Raleigh, North Carolina last year, and I was doing an internship with a Chi Alpha at North Carolina State University. Um, I love them as well. But I want to tell you guys a little story um, about the beginning or how my internship sort of launched off. So I graduated in May 2021, and then I spent that summer doing this thing called support raising. Um, I won't get into the details of that. It's a missionary thing. Um, and so I was due to be in Raleigh at the end of July. So, all right, I'm support raising, and then it gets to about mid-July. I'm supposed to have all these things figured out. Um, and I don't have anywhere to live yet. Like, I didn't have an apartment. Um, I was a little stressful. Um, and I won't go into the details of our paychecks or disbursements, whatever you want to call it. I won't go into the details of how that works. But due to some errors entirely on my end, completely my fault, um, I did not get my first paycheck on time. It was a month late. So I didn't have anywhere to live. I didn't have any money to pay for somewhere to live. Also, remember the whole dog thing? We were supposed to have our student leadership retreat my first weekend. Um, I didn't have anywhere to take my dog. Didn't have any money. So I couldn't pay for her to be boarded anywhere. And so it's middle of July, and I have two weeks to figure out all these things. Um, so I guess you could say I was a little anxious, right? <laughs> I was a lot anxious, if I'm being completely honest. I was moving eight hours away from everything and everyone I knew. Um, and, you know, somewhere totally new, foreign. Like, I knew people, but I didn't have those deep relationships yet. And, yeah, I was really anxious. And all I could think about constantly were the boxes that weren't checked, the things I didn't have secured yet, just this whole list of things just felt like a really heavy cloud looming over me. Um, this is a really specific story from my life. Um, but I feel like maybe you guys can relate to some extent with different things in your lives. Like, I don't know, maybe you've had really stressful situations. Like, some of you are freshmen, right? Like, maybe coming here, you had a lot of things to figure out that you didn't have figured out yet. Um, or maybe you've gotten in this pickle where your financial aid was frozen and so you couldn't register for classes yet. Or maybe you have a big test coming up and you just feel like you don't have enough hours in a day to study for it. No matter what you do, you're just not gonna be prepared. Or maybe you just feel like everything is just overwhelming and it's just like, like pushing you down underwater, right? It's just a lot of anxiety. And I wanna, I wanna give a disclaimer that I'm not talking about like clinical anxiety, like I think you should see um, a counselor, you should see a mental health care professional about that. Um, the kind of anxiety I'm talking about are things um, and feelings that are caused by external forces, right? Clinical anxiety is uh, more an internal response to, um, to ordinary daily tasks. Um, but I want us to look a little bit at what Jesus has to say about when we're facing anxiety. So if you guys will go with me to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read verses 25 through 34. Okay, so Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Jesus says, 
Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I know that was a bit of a passage, right? Um, So I want us to sort of go through this together. Um, But there's a phrase he says three times. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed before, but like in literature, um, especially in the Bible, um, repetition of words or phrases is there to add emphasis, right? Like this is the main point. I'm going to say it a bunch of times so you get it. So three times Jesus says, do not be anxious. Now I'm kind of nerdy, so I wanted to look at the Greek word of that was. Um, so the, the Greek word that our Bibles say as anxious, or maybe your translation says worry, um, the word is merimnao, which more literally means to have care or to take thought. So like to care about or to think about. And Jesus is saying to not care about those things or don't take thought about these things. And so I was sort of thinking like, okay, why do we translate this to the word anxious if it's like caring about or thinking about? And I think it's actually really clever because we tend to exaggerate the things that are on our mind a lot, the things that we care about too much. We tend to exaggerate those and that's what turns it into anxiety. Um, and then we like to justify the behavior that comes from our like worrisome caring too much. Like we make excuses like, oh yeah, I didn't spend any time with God this week because I have that big test coming up on Friday that I'm really worried about. So I'm just gonna study for that. Or yeah, I skipped small group because I've been really busy and I knew I could use that time to do homework instead. And we act like the things that we worry about are the most important things um, because they stress us out and we care about them a lot. We think about them a lot. They're constantly on our minds. We stress about them. And we read this passage and Jesus isn't just saying like, well, get over it, kid. Like he's not, but he kind of is a little bit, but he's not kind of, but kind of is, right? And this is a really important teaching that he was giving to a very specific group of people, but it's still relevant for us to learn from today. Um, So in this passage, Jesus teaches, uh, I call it like an essay format. Um, I've written a lot of them. Um, And so he he states his main point. Um, He he states what he's going to explain. He explains it, and then he restates it, just like an essay. You guys have written those pretty simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in verse 25, he tells us the initial, do not be anxious, right? Don't think about it. Don't, don't care about it. Not about what we will eat, what we will wear, because life is more than that. 
And he isn't saying that, you know, being able to eat or to be clothed is trivial or unimportant. What he's doing is he's giving us perspective. Sometimes we go into this sort of, like a survival mode, and we just focus on that one stressor, um, and like that's, that's all we can focus on. That's the only thing that exists in that moment, right? Like, like when I was fixing to move to North Carolina, and I just spent hours, and I mean hours, just scrolling on Zillow rentals. Like I started memorizing the listings because it became so obsessive. Because that's what I was anxious about. It was consuming my mind. But Jesus is having us take a step back and give us perspective. And he's preparing his audience for the rest of his teaching. And then he goes into a couple different examples that we see in nature um, as to why we should not hold on to these things um, with such a tight grip. The first thing is, he talks about the birds of the sky, right? They don't have day jobs, no 401k, no savings, no groceries to keep in their fridges. They don't have fridges, right? Like they live day to day, not banking on anything other than knowing that today they will be fed and tomorrow likewise. And God provides food for these little creatures. And he loves and cares for these animals that he created. But they don't have souls. They don't have a special relationship with him like humans do. And Jesus says, are you not worth more than them? God provides for even the littlest animal. How much more does he take care of us, whom he calls his children? Now, I think verse 27 is really cool. Um, Because Jesus says something that's like kind of scientific. Um, I don't think anyone knew back then, I don't think. Um, But there is a study at Yale that sort of echoes this. Um, but it indicated that stress can shorten your lifespan. And Jesus, like 2,000 years before this, this study at this really prestigious school, he says, and which of you, by being anxious, can add an hour to his lifespan? He's like, hey, guys, is that really going to help you live longer? Like, is that really good for you? And I, I think it's also really cool because we know Jesus to be the great healer. But he wasn't really addressing them like a doctor would, right? He wasn't like, okay, Well, stress is bad for your heart, so just stop doing that, right? He said it because he he cares about his people. He cares about the condition of our hearts, the condition of our minds, the condition of our souls. Jesus doesn't want a life of suffering for us. And honestly, subjecting ourselves to a life of stressing over things that he's already taken care of, it's counter to what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to live healthy lives with him because he loves us. His instruction to not be anxious is not a dismissal of our lives or experiences. It's a call to live a better life because it's what he wants for us. Next, we see Jesus talk about lilies, how their only responsibility is to grow. They don't have to work or labor like you and I do. They get to just exist. And yet God has so beautifully dressed them. And then in verse 29, uh, Jesus references Solomon. Now, you might be wondering what this, um, that guy from the Old Testament has to do with flowers or anxiety or anything that we're talking about. Um, but it, it's actually kind of cool when you dig back into it. Um, Jesus says that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed as wonderfully and lavishly as these lilies. So Solomon was a king of Israel like several hundred years before Jesus walked the earth in the flesh. Um, and Solomon was someone whose story would have been really familiar to Jesus' Jewish audience at the time. Um, when I think of Solomon, I think of, like, 
he was known for having like a lot of wives and concubines. Like he was just really lavish, he was super extra. He did way too much with everything. Um, he was a very lavish man, right? And he had this incredible God-given wisdom um, and it made it possible and easy for him to be able to gain a lot of wealth. Um, and Jesus said that God dresses the lilies even more greatly than Solomon could have ever dressed. Right? The lavish material things that Solomon had were riches of the world, from him being a wealthy and powerful king. But God dresses flowers, like the things that we step on and pick sometimes. He dresses flowers more lavishly than than the king, right? If God dresses flowers that are here today and thrown out tomorrow more than a rich king could lavishly dress himself, how much more will God clothe you with what you need? And then Jesus kind of switches gears on them. Um, he, he calls them, you have little faith. I don't know if that felt harsh to people listening to him in real time. Um, but reading it now, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Um, you were just being really nice and saying all these really encouraging things, and now you're, you're giving us some tough love here. That's a bit of a change in direction. Um, but I think we really need to consider the backdrop of what was happening when Jesus was teaching this. So we're in chapter 6 of Matthew, and if we look back at the end of chapter 4, um, we see that Jesus had been healing a lot of people, and that had accumulated a pretty big crowd. So he was doing miraculous healings all throughout Galilee, and people came from all over to see him and bring those who were in need of healing. Um, when this crowd amassed, he stopped to teach them. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so he was like walking up on this hill, mountain, right? And all the people were below him. Um, and so that's what was happening, was all these people who had seen him do incredible things, who had heard, him, heard about him doing these miraculous things. But he called their faith little. He said they had little faith even though what they had witnessed from him was incredible things. You know, something cool about Jesus is that he sees more than we can. He sees beneath the surface. Something he was doing is he was addressing how shallow their faith was. They came to see him do things. They'd already seen, they'd already seen him do it. They already believed he could do it. So of course it makes sense he'd be able to do it again. But you kind of think about how you know, he was doing these impossible things. Well, how easy is it for us to trust someone can do an impossible thing, right? Like, well, I already can't do it, so it's cool if he can, you know? These are things that they knew were completely out of their hands, and they had proof that he could help those things. And that's kind of immature faith, right? It's going based on what we see. He wanted them to have faith in God in, in the mundane things, too, right? Like clothing and food. Right in our context, we could say like tuition bills or, or grocery money, right? But Jesus wanted them to be able to trust God in the simple things too. He knew that their faith was born in the mystical and fantastic, but we need to recognize that God still sustains us in the daily tasks and labors. Grand displays of his power will always point to who he is, but if Christ's followers are deterred by everyday things that cause anxiety, if we don't let God sustain us, our faith will not carry us through the things that cause us anxiety. Like, it's kind of it's weak. It's kind of little. If it's only there when there's big things for us to point to, but it 
fades out during the little things. I mean, is it really there at all? And we, we try to manhandle all the little things because they seem like doable tasks, right? Like, I can do this thing, I can do this thing, and that thing. But they add up, and that causes us anxiety. And we try, and we try to figure out how we can do it all on our own. What does it say about our faith if we hold on to things we think we should be able to do without God? What does it say about our faith if we think we can do anything without God? If our faith is merely strengthened by the fantastic, but is not sustained through the mundane, we have little faith. Then again, Jesus states, therefore, do not be anxious. Don't ask and worry about what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. And then he says that the Gentiles, which in our context would be like secular people or godless people, right? He says that they seek after these things, but the Father knows that we need them. And it kind of makes me think about how, you know, these, these secular, these godless people, they kind of live in like a, they really seek a lot of idolatry, you know? And, and when we behave like them, when we seek after the material things, when we seek after success, when we seek after checking off a to-do list above everything else, isn't that kind of what idolatry is? Right? Like we have this, this like strong attachment or devotion to these things that cause our worry. So we treat those things like idols, and then what? We become slaves to our anxiety. And that's not what God wants for us. Jesus offers us a really freeing solution, actually. Right next, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Right? If you knock away all those things and put Jesus first, the rest is taken care of. Why are we stressing about those things? That's it. Sometimes our worry becomes an idol and we feel like we have to do everything on our own. But God is saying, trust me. Trust me. I take care of you. I've got this. Just like the birds and the lilies who don't have to toil to be fed and clothed, God will provide for us, take care of us. All God wants is for us to seek him, to have a relationship with him, just like any good father. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you, right? He cares for us. That's what this whole teaching is pointing to, that we shouldn't be anxious because he cares for us, that we should seek him first. You know, everything that, that Jesus has said in this passage, talking about our anxiety, it's, it's not a disregard of our anxious feelings, the situations that cause our anxiety. It's not belittling them. What he is saying He's saying that God is so much bigger, right? God is so much more capable and more powerful than our stressful situations. And he cares about them too. He's not left us alone to our own devices to struggle and labor for earthly materials. But he's asking that we rely on him to provide for us, because he can. I didn't finish my story before. Um, I just kind of explained the hot spaghetti that it was. Um, <laughs> but while I was stressing about all the preparations and all the things I didn't have figured out, God was working it all out, right? In his perfect timing, I got an apartment. Now, to me, it was last minute, but it was God's perfect timing, and it was taken care of. So why was I stressing on Zillow Rentals and Zulu and all the other apps, right? Like, God took care of that. 
by God's provision and by my parents' love, um, my parents offered to help me until I got my first paycheck. And I was able to find like the sweetest family to watch my dog for me. Um, it was really cool how I was connected with someone who knew them, and then it was really cool. They're a really sweet family, and it's really rare to meet someone who loves my dog as much as I do because she's kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> but all these things that I was stressed about and trying to do in my own strength were not adding to my life. They were making it kind of miserable, right? But God was like, hey, kid, I got you. Breathe, <laughs> right? But God continues to prove that our anxiety is pointless. It doesn't offer us any gain. There's no benefit. We follow and we serve a good God. And Jesus took away our greatest reason to be anxious. Like, if we're going to be honest, if we have reason to be anxious about anything, it's our eternal destination. And when he took upon our sin and died in our place, he proved that he takes care of us more than the birds and the lilies. And then he resurrected so that we could spend eternity with him, even after this earth fades away. We are a precious creation to him. So how much smaller than do our anxieties here on earth seem if we regain the, pr regain the perspective of eternity? How much more there is beyond food and clothes, bills, checklists, and assignments? But that we get to love a God who loved us first, taking care of our needs, and offering us the greatest hope? Um, TJ, if you want to come back up. Um, you know, but you're probably thinking about what about the things that the Lord allows to go seemingly unsolved? Or the things that maybe God doesn't provide? What then? Even if we don't see the solution to every single thing that comes up, that doesn't mean that God doesn't take care of us. Even if he allows some things that we're worried about to, to continue, um, that doesn't mean that he loves us less, that he takes care of us less. Do we have little faith? Do we really just need to see the big things all the time? Or could we trust him through the mundane and the simple? Like the crowd he taught the sermon to in Matthew 6, we only have faith in him when we see him checking every box, or we have deep and mature faith, knowing that no matter what comes our way, we do not need to be anxious, because he's still in control, he still takes care of us, and he still loves us deeply and intimately. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, we're going to transition to a time of prayer in just a minute. Um, if you want to find your small group leader, a staff member, um, or just a friend, any of us would be glad to pray with you. Um, I'll be down front. Um, but scripture tells us that it's important that we take the things that cause us anxiety, the things that worry us. It's important that we take those things to God and ask him to help us in those needs, that he would remove our anxiety since we know it's not his desire for us to be anxious. So I've got some different um, prayer points um, that I want you guys to, to see if they sort of resonate with where you're at and if that's something that the Lord is calling you to pray for. Um, number one, there's a slide for it. Um, number one, ask God to help you with the things you're stressed about. You know, if you feel like it's too much for you to do, maybe it is. Ask God to help you with it. Number two, repent for seeking first the things that make you anxious, right? If he's telling us we should seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and putting anything else above that is idolatry, and we should repent for that. 
Number three, ask God to remove any unnecessary stress and anxiety. Right? Number four, ask God to help you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's hard to push away distractions. But God can help us do that, right? So, so we'll pray about that. Um, yeah, I'm going to pray, and then TJ's going to play a song, and we can just pray with one another. Lord, I just thank you so much that you care so deeply for us. Lord, that you made us such a unique purpose. Lord, that you made us to, to glorify you and to enjoy you for eternity, Lord. God, I just thank you that you care about the state and the condition of our hearts. Lord, I just pray that, that you would humble us to ask you for help. Lord, I pray that you would humble us and show us the areas that we need to repent for putting other things above you. Lord, I just pray that, that you would just, yeah, just interrupt the busy thoughts. Lord, I just pray that, yeah, just that you would remove anxiety, Lord, just that we would listen to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Troy Chi Alpha podcast. For more information about the ministry of Troy Chi Alpha, you can look us up online at troychialpha.com. You can email us at troychialpha at gmail.com or find us on social media at Troy Chi Alpha. Thanks for listening.